Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful who have gathered here out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I think you probably know about being ghosted. I don't know if you've ever been ghosted. Um, the, the simple definition of being ghosted in contemporary culture today is communication, a break, a cutoff, a break in all communication without explanation, and it, that's the extreme definition, that all of a sudden you realize that you're not hearing from people, and it's no matter really what you've done, you're not really sure, but they've cut off all communication with you. Now, there's another kind of way we can understand uh, being ghosted, not as extreme. Uh, it's just that you send a text and they don't respond. It's not that they didn't want to respond or are cutting you off, but they just didn't. You know, like we were on a vacation in several foreign places, and I hardly know how to work technology when I'm in the United States, <laughs> much less when I'm overseas. So. Uh, I got all kind of texts that I got when I got back. I still haven't responded to it. Uh, I'm, I'm over pretty overwhelmed, but it's not because I didn't want to respond. It's just I didn't know how. I couldn't. Anyway, uh, so that's the less extreme understanding of being ghosted. Being ghosted by a friend or acquaintance or colleague uh, in the extreme uh, in terms of being cut off completely can be extremely painful. Even being cut off temporarily can be confusing, right? Like, what happened? What went wrong? Was it something I said? But what happens to you and to your heart and soul when you feel as if God is silent? And, and by that, I mean God by any name. You know, we, we believe in God and worshiping God, a God of many names. Or if you don't, uh, practice that kind of understanding of God uh, that that even the just that it seems that the culture of our world has gone awry somehow, right? Um, <clears throat> years and years ago, uh, I had a friend who was very involved here in Dallas in a very large Presbyterian church, and was a part of a singles single adult group, and it was huge. I mean, larger than a lot of churches. <laughs> you know, in the number of single people. And they were very close. They were very faithful. They worshiped all the time. They had community events. They reached out and helped in, in the neighborhood where the church was and helped make things different and better for the, the community they were in. Um, and so they had a pool party. And at the pool party, one of the, the young men uh, did a head dive into the shallow end of the pool without realizing it and hit the bottom and, and broke his neck. He survived. But this community surrounded him. This community just surrounded him and cared for him, cared for his parents who were caring for him. I mean, they, they did all they knew to do, and they prayed faithfully. They were convinced that they could pray him into healing. And it the prayers didn't change. It didn't change him. Now, did it change them to be in that community and caring and 
doing all the caring they were doing and building the relationships they were building? Yes, of course. But their goal of him being healed did not happen. And I remember talking with my friend and her being just completely puzzled by how to respond, how to be in relationship with God when it would seem that God is not there, is not answering. Well, I don't think we have to be in that kind of extreme situation, uh, a traumatic experience like that, in order to feel like God is silent. I mean, I would wager that we've all been through times where we thought, you know, where is God in this? What, what is going on? And it might be in our personal lives, but it might be in something bigger. Um, being ghosted by God in the extreme of being totally cut off, for example, I think of the young man uh, who realizes he's gay and prays every night to God to be changed. How many times have you heard that story? Uh, and feeling like God is just completely silent on that. Um, or in the less extreme understanding of being ghosted, um, you know, uh, not being answered, asking for help with a problem such as finances, uh, but seeing God answering in other ways, but not in that way, right? It can be devastating. So what are we to do when it seems as if our prayers, our pleas, our appeals are not heard in heaven or in the cosmos? So we have to ask ourselves, where do we begin with this? And we begin by asking ourselves, what does it mean to hear God speak? Because, you know, a lot of people who say that they hear God speak, they're considered, well, have some mental illness going on there, you know? I mean, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> they're saying that they're hearing God talk. And uh, so, you know, what does it mean for a person of faith to, to have a sense that God is speaking to them? So I want to begin by saying it's about an internal sense of the presence of God. It's something stirring within us. It is not your conscience. That's not it. It is something about the sensing the presence of the Spirit of God uh, within you. And, uh, and then it is when that presence and the sense of that present coincides with what is happening externally with you that you sense in creation this presence that you see here uh, voices of others who are journeying with you uh, be consistent with what you're experiencing uh, I was in the fourth grade when I experienced my initial call to ordain ministry. I was convinced that God had called me to do something special for God that I understood as ordained ministry. But when I was growing up, there were no women clergy. So how was I supposed to make sense of that? I, you know, it wasn't until I was nearly 40 years old that I answered and responded to that. But when I finally said out loud to somebody, I think maybe God is calling me to be an ordained minister, they said, well, of course God's calling you to be a minister. We've all thought that for years. <laughs> well, you could have pushed me over with a feather. 
I would have never have thought that people had thought that. So um, when your internal voice is not your conscience, but is a sense of the presence of God within you, is consistent with what you're experiencing in the world and with the people who are making this journey with you, people who you trust. They don't have to be people of faith. They can be people you work with. They can be people that you just know to be uh, solid, good people. So, um, and, and then uh, the other thing that happens is that to understand the voice of God is to be silent and to listen. Now, I, I've used this quote before, and some of you may remember it, but Richard Foster, who is a Christian theologian and author from the Quaker tradition, has famously said and famously quoted, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If this said adversary can keep us engaged in muchness, and manyness, that one will rest satisfied. Psychiatrist Carl Jung once remarked, hurry is not the devil. Hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. And we know that, don't we? We know that when we get to going so fast that we don't have room to breathe, we don't have room to rest, uh, that we get kind of wonky. So then the alternative is silence and solitude. And solitude is not, uh, it's not being lonely. It's being uh, in a space that is filled with the presence of God and, and your understanding of creation and of all that is good. Uh, so being alone, but not being lonely. It's about the practice of Sabbath, taking time to be apart, to, to take time to rest. And it's about simplicity and slowing down. In addition, we have a natural tendency, as C.S. Lewis described, our expectations when God is silent. Everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn our thoughts to God when everything is going well for us. I don't know anybody who is like that, do you? <laughs> You know, when things are humming and life is good, it's hard to kind of remember uh, God. He continued, as St. Augustine says, God wants to give us something but, but cannot because our hands are too full. There's nowhere for God to put it. I thought that was really true. Our first reading today from the Psalms explains our predicament well. We read it together. Here it, in the psalm, in scripture, it's in the singular. We read it in the plural. But it says, hear my prayer, O God, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. I just love the psalms because they tell God exactly what they think. <laughs> Answer me right now. I need an answer. How many of you have done that? Oh, I have. Answer, I need it. I need it right now. Don't dilly-dally. I need an answer now, speedily. Answer me speedily. 
In his book, Meeting God in the Darkness, Robert Hudnut, who is a psychologist and social worker, said he opens his book with a story about a friend who, after several years of marriage, was in the midst of discerning a future that included divorce. After several years of struggling in the marriage, the friend asked Robert Hudnut, how long must this go on? In clear pain, how, how long must this go on? To which Hudnut replied, as long as it takes. Hudnut continues. Um, he writes, what happens in our effort to hear God comes with three discernments. The first is, why is this happening to me? Right? That's always what we ask. The second is, I've tried everything and nothing has worked. And the third is, whatever happens, everything will be all right. But that takes place over a period of time. Eventually, because you see, God is the treasure in that darkness. And it takes a while for us to move through it in order to discern the presence that is the light of God in us and in the world. It is important for me to add here that it is also true that God's silence is not just an individual experience, but can be a community experience. Some of what we are experiencing now, our country that more and more has been moving away from long-standing laws that protect the marginalized and the oppressed, that care for women, that care for LGBTQ plus people, that care for people who have been marginalized and have not been able to get college educations. All of that is happening right now. And when all of that is happening, as with COVID, it was, it was a cultural PTSD that says, okay, where is God in this? It's not just an individual thing. It is culturally. You know, uh, consider our African-American siblings who have raised the question again and again, paraphrasing from Psalm 13, how long, O oh God? Will you forget us forever? How long will you hide your face from us? How long, oh God? That is the plea, the lament of people who are struggling. And not just individually, but collectively. Of course, our hope is in the gospel reading for today that reminds us that Jesus too made a plea to God in the midst of his greatest suffering. Now, I, you know, remember that on the night he gave himself to us in a holy meal, um, he then went out and fell on the ground and begged God, pleaded with his Abba to take the cup from him, ultimately seeking God's will in all the circumstances, right? And in response to that plea, he was arrested, tried, beaten, mocked, and executed by the government. As notes R.T. Francis, the sequence from verse 45 to 50 suggests that this cry was uttered just before Jesus' death. He cried, Anna Boao, used only here in the New Testament. It is a strong verb indicating powerful emotion in an appeal to God. This is no dispassionate theological explanation. 
It is an agonized expression of a real sense of abandonment. This is the only time in the synoptic gospels, the gospels that trace Jesus' life from beginning to end, in a historical line, where Jesus addresses God without calling him Abba. Now, to be fair, he is quoting from Psalm 22, a psalm which moves from that opening despair to triumphant faith. But the fact that Jesus can still appeal to my God places his sense of utter abandonment pulls apart from utter despair. There is something in him that is still appealing to the one he has called Daddy, Abba. It is fascinating to me that this is the only time when he is directly addressing God that he uses God. So all of this is to say is we are not alone in this as our story of faith. This most important story of our understanding is this Paschal ministry. We are born, we live, we die, we are born again into the light of God. We would do well to remember that God is not in a hurry. The one who looks at the cosmos from beginning, God's not in a hurry as we are. And so perhaps we should take our lessons from God. When we feel that it is God's job to respond quickly to our every request, we are on a fast track toward disillusionment. Remember, manyness and muchness, hurry, those are the things that keep us separated from God. When we feel, uh, unless our waiting is shaped by the confidence that God is at work, the perceived delay will debilitate us. But if we have the ability to discern that God is actually at work in the midst of this silence, in the midst of the distance we feel, in the midst of all of this, we can then trust that God is at work even if God is not operating within our preferred time frame. Perhaps we need to reframe our understanding of being ghosted by God and what to do when God is silent. Perhaps we need to say, okay, okay, God, I gotcha. I'm going to step right into this darkness. I'm going to be faithfully persistent. I'm going to wear you out with my prayers. I'm going to practice silence and solitude. I'm going to work toward Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing down. And I'm going to trust that you are at work even if I cannot feel it, see it, understand it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. Now, I want to explain how this works. In 2012, my mom, Mama Jo, died. And it blew my family apart. My older sister and my younger sister became completely estranged. Not speaking to each other, not having any communication with each other. And it was hell for 11 years because we shared a, a, a shared property that my parents had left to us. And trying to work that when we weren't speaking... I was the go-between. I'm the middle child, of course. But I was the go-between. And so, I mean, even when that's happening, you're like, okay, our lives are blown apart. But I prayed. My sisters prayed. We listened. You know, 
And 11 years later, in 2023, after countless tears and prayers, we have this little emerging light of reconciliation. For the first time in 11 years, my younger sister and my niece were in the same room and hugged each other, all with tears. Listening for what seems like a sometimes distant and silent God requires faithful persistence and the willingness to enter the darkness. In doing so, we will find we are not alone and that God is at work, even if we cannot see it. That God is the treasure we seek in the midst of the struggle. How long do we wait? As long as it takes. Thanks be to God. Amen.